Come join me, come join me. I'll move my kitchen off. <laughs> so awesome this morning. I meant to be able to hand you over to Jude. He is from the New Testament. <laughs> and he has some revelation for us this morning. <laughs> Lord, we just speak your blessing over Jude right now, Lord. I pray that you would quieten his heart, Lord, and anoint his lips, Holy Spirit, if he feels in any way inadequate or unprepared that's a great place to be because it means you holy spirit can be strong where he feels weak and right now lord we will tune our hearts and our spirits to hear your word holy spirit through jude as you have planned for this morning help us to tune in to what you are saying holy spirit equip us through this time of hearing your word together and we pray for your anointing power to rest on jude right now as he brings the word in jesus name amen so cool to be able to hand to you bro take us through what god has put on your heart let me get my kit out your way nick you can probably mute this so it doesn't make a big noise uh, okay getting started okay morning guys uh, uh, so many things around me Okay, uh, before I get started, uh, just, I was, um, oh, morning everyone by the way, uh, <laughs> I was, this morning I was uh, just going through my devotion actually here at church before we started, and uh, I think this is really apt as well for the message and for, uh, yeah, what God's laid on my heart to speak. Uh, so, this reading from Matthew 11 verses 28 to 30, uh, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there was also a quote from a book called uh, Rootless uh, Elimination of Hurry by uh, author by the name of John Mark Comer. And just to read this quote out, it says, If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. He offers his apprentices a whole new way to bear the weight of humanity with ease with ease at his side like two oxen in a field tied shoulder to shoulder with Jesus doing all the heavy lifting at his pace slow unhurried present at the moment full of love and joy and peace an easy life isn't an option an easy yoke is so I think that was really really apt for Sorry for the message, and to keep the mic close to my mouth. <laughs> okay, so getting into what God has laid in my heart this morning, I've been asking the Lord for a message now for, I think for the last two months since Danny asked me to do the message this morning. And, um, but apart from a video that I wanted to play, uh, I had nothing else really until like a few days ago. So the title for um, the message today is Drawing Closer to God and disarming the lies of the enemy. So the last time I spoke, which was a while back on the 2nd of January 2022, uh, <laughs> I looked up the date. <laughs> the 2nd of January 2022, it was a while ago. <laughs> the title was Amazing Grace and it was all about the story of the prodigal son. Uh, and Today's message um, it's a sort of, sort of sequel to, sorry, to that, because it seems to fall in the same sort of vein. So, God did not put us on this earth just to be good people 
who do not sin, but he put us here to have relationship with him. But so much of that has been stolen from us. So much of the relationship that we were supposed to have or meant to have with God the Father has been lost. And one of my favorite authors and teachers says, uh, John Eldridge basically says, life is like arriving to a movie 20 minutes late. We know that there's something important going on. We know that there's good guys and there's bad guys, but we have no idea of what the plot is or what the story is. And that seems about right uh, nowadays especially. We all desire so much more. And deep inside, we know that there is so much more. The Bible tells us in Luke 19 verses 10 from the New King James Version that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. The NIV version uh, says that Jesus came to save the lost, but uh, I, I looked, uh, both translations are good basically, but I looked into Strong's Concordance and uh, seek and save that which is lost seems much more apt and uh, appropriate, or a better translation in, in that sort of verse. So the verse again says that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And I believe that that is because it is our relationship with the Father that has been lost. So the reason that Jesus came to earth was and was reincarnated and became man and went through all that he went through, more than anything else, even more than just to forgive us of our sins, was to bring us back into the family, back into intimate relationship with the father. Just like in the story of the prodigal son, where the elder brother, being the second head of the family, because of his love for his father and his younger brother, let alone it actually being his duty, would have gone out and used all of his resources to find and bring back his younger brother. And that is exactly what Jesus does for us. He is our true elder brother and he came to seek and save us. So in John 10 verses 10, uh, Jesus says that the thief comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy, but that he has come to give us life and life to the full or life more abundantly. Just before Jesus was arrested and taken to be crucified, he prays and in John 17 verses 1 and 2, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. So Jesus came to give us eternal life. And Jesus continues in verses 3 and says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So Jesus actually gives us the definition of what eternal life really is. And he says that eternal life is knowing the Father and knowing the Son. See, God has always been a God of relationship and he's wanted a family from the very start. Children that share in the love of the Trinity. Uh, children that through love and in love would choose for him no matter what other options were put in front of them. It is this connection with the Father, this relationship with him, that is so aggressively and fervently opposed by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Um, and most of us, um, I'm sure most of us would have read or seen the Father's love letter uh, a few years back. I actually thought it was a few years back, but looking at it, it was actually like about 20 years ago. <laughs> So it was a while back, but um, this was circulating on the internet uh, a while ago. Uh, this is a combination basically of Bible verses and uh, Bible verse paraphrases uh, that have been put together in the form of a letter from the father to his beloved child, uh, basically to us. 
I want, uh, I want to read this out now. Actually, I've asked Karen to read it out as just as a reminder. So if I could ask if we could just all sort of close our eyes now and just take these words, listen to the words that, that, that are on this and take it as the Father's love letter to you. Okay. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are heartbroken, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father, and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love if you receive 
the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you, love, your dad, almighty God. Okay, I'll say that was a letter that was circulating on the internet about 20 years ago. I have some copies if any of you want any, um, if you'll do. So, as we all know and constantly experience, the good that God has promised us always seems to be opposed. This is because we live in a world at war and we have an enemy which is the world, the flesh, and the devil and his kingdom, who, mind you, has already been defeated. But because his time is short, and because God is way too powerful for him, and he cannot uh, attack God, he goes after the ones that God loves, uh, basically us, and tries to separate us eternally from the Father's love, because he knows how much pain this causes the Father. The enemy comes, in, comes to us like he did in the garden uh, with Adam and Eve, and tries to get us to mistrust the Father and his heart towards us. He tries in different ways to get us to think that God is holding out on us, that there is something good that the Father is holding back from us and doesn't want us to have. For Adam and Eve, it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God told them not to eat of the fruit for, of this tree or they will die. But Satan came to them and made it seem like the Father was withholding something good from them, something that they desired, something that, th that would be amazingly good for them something that the father did not want them to have. Up to that point in time, God was Adam and Eve's definition of what good and evil was. They now had a choice to either trust God's definition of good and evil or to eat of the fruit and choose to define good and evil for themselves. And sadly, we all know what they've chosen. For us, it could be something like um, we earnestly praying and seeking God and trusting for something that is very, very important to us for a long time without seeing any positive change. Maybe it's our healing or the healing of a loved one or financial help or a wayward child or a failing marriage, but our prayers never seem to be answered. There's a short video that I want to play for us that illustrates this uh, a lot better than I can explain. Everybody has a hero. Okay. Mine's my dad. Yes, I get it. Since mom died, it's only been us. He has a way of filling my life with color. Dad! Which one? That one. Sometimes I don't understand his advice, but I trust him. And what always brought us together was our love for running. One day, I'll be faster than him. And when I am, I'm going to win every marathon in the world. Abby? What's wrong, champ? Or at least that was my plan. I'm losing my sight. And real quick, read to me the lowest level that you can see on there. What is called is interocular melanoma. Eye cancer. Unfortunately, you will lose your vision. That was the day my father disappeared. Okay. Dad! Pinky, 
wakey. Ready to run, champ? Come on. I thought he would always be there for me. I guess I was wrong. Dad, where are you? You abandoned me. Where are you, Dad? Where did you go? Do you not love me anymore? Am I still beautiful? Are you no longer proud of me? How could you leave me when I need you the most? Dad? Dad? Dad, why did you leave me? Abby thinks I've left her. And as much as it pains me to hear that, she's right. I've left her. The best that we can do is can save the things? actual eyes so that cosmetically she doesn't lose them. That's my girl. That's my girl. That's my little girl. There's support groups, and I know this is a very difficult time. No! I've left her to realize she's more courageous than she ever imagined. I've left her to discover how beautiful she is from the inside out. I've left her to challenge herself in ways she never considered. I've left her to discover how strong she really is. It's me, baby. Why did you leave me? I was right here. I was always here. Where did you go? I was always here, baby. Listen, no one believes in you more than I do. Think about how far you've come. My dad says he gave me what I needed, not what I wanted. You ready? Yep. Folks, what we are seeing here is amazing. This is a testament of true love. Love is allowing someone to see their true worth and beauty. I used to think my dreams were over. I thought I'd never run again. And even though I can't see my dad, I know he's guiding me the entire way.
that God is not there for us, that he doesn't even care for us, even when we need him the most. The enemy will come in very quickly on this and give us thoughts that say, you see, God could just say a word and you would be healed. Your loved one would be healed. Your debts would be paid off. Your child's life turned around. Your marriage saved. But he is withholding this from you. And often, because of the length of time we waited or our past experiences and disappointments, we believe these lies rather than trusting in God in the midst of these things. And we sometimes choose to take matters into our own hands and start looking for ways to change our situations just like Adam and Eve did. Over a lifetime, disappointments like these unknowingly collect in our hearts. And for lots of people, if it's not brought before the Lord and healed, it can cause a wedge in their relationship with the father, like the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son. If they stay Christian, their relationship with God changes from love to legalism sometimes, and they try to earn their way to heaven um, through their works and not through their relationship with the Father. They think that they've earned a right into the kingdom. But in Matthew 7, verses 22 to 23, Jesus says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I, then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Here we see that in everything, even Christian actions that we have success in, done outside of intimate relationship with God, can get us turned away from spending eternity with the one that has loved us before the creation of the world, the one that literally moved heaven and earth to save us, the one that knows us so intimately that he even knows the number of hairs on our head from our heavenly father. Jesus came to earth to bring us back into relationship with the Father. In living, he experienced everything that we experience, all the ups and downs, the joys, the heartache, the pain. He was fully human in every way. He did not have any advantage over us, even though he was God. And even in fulfilling his purpose, uh, which he came to do, he experienced more hurt, more pain, more suffering, humiliation, and grief than any person since the creation of the world has ever felt. The sins of the world, from the time uh, the world was created until the time that he makes all things new, for every person who ever lived and will ever live, was placed on him. The sins of the entire world, all through time, was placed on him. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says of Jesus that we do not have a high priest who is unable to, to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without, he did not sin. Jesus came down to earth to become as we are, so that through faith, we can become as he is. He was the perfect example of what the Christian life could look like and should look like. Because of Jesus' full work on the cross, through faith, we are a new creation, a creation that, Jesus, that before Jesus has never walked the face of this earth before. So everything, all that Jesus has done for us, all God's promises, all his provisions, even the kingdom of heaven itself, can only truly be received by faith. This is why the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 verse 6 that without faith it is impossible to please God. Not because he's a heavy taskmaster that wants, to, uh, get, uh, wants us to get everything perfect and right, but because he knows that without faith we cannot receive all that he has done for us, 
all that he has made available to us. And like a lo loving earthly father would be so disappointed with a child that he has made all his provisions and resources available to, but refuses to help, he refuses his help and squanders his or her life away. This is why it is impossible to please God without faith, because it's so harmful and detrimental to us, his children. So reading Hebrews 11 verse 6 again, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is such a precious commodity. Uh, on many occasions the Bible tells us things like, Everything is possible to him who believes. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Ask whatever, sorry, whenever you ask, whatever you ask for in prayer, believing that you received it, it will be yours. Hebrews 11, 32 to 34 says, And what more shall I say? For time will fail me, if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith, that is an enduring trust in God and his promise, promises, subdued kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promised blessings, closed the mouths of lions, extinguished the power of raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became mighty and unbeatable in battle, put enemies to flight. As I mentioned, all that Jesus has done for us, all his provisions, all his promises, and even the kingdom of heaven itself can only be received by faith. For me, faith is a sort of currency of heaven that without which we cannot really do much on this earth. In John 7 verse 38, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from them. And that comes back to faith as well. So finally, I want to speak very briefly about Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving is one of the ways we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds and draw closer to God. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Someone once said that what you focus on gets bigger. With the way the world is going, with all the things that are on the news and on social media and other sources, it's very easy uh, to, and actually the world encourages us to focus on all the negatives. With the pace of life and the world being going on around us all the time, it's so easy to get caught up and focus on all the negatives, as I say. The things that we don't have, the things that we wish could be better uh, or different, all the problems and disappointments of life. This has had an impact on my life, and I was starting to go down that route a few months ago, but I thank God that I took my troubles to him. He helped me do that. I was despairing and despondent, but night after night, I used to go outside and walk around in our backyard, speaking and crying out to the Lord. And after spending a few evenings outside in his presence, he gradually started showing me that I had started focusing on the negatives, and this had been stealing my joy. And it had been a steep downward spiral that got me to the state that I was in. He began to show me that the remedy for this, for when we lack peace and joy, is thanksgiving. He led me to start a new routine where once or twice a day, I would uh, take, about, take some time, about 10 minutes at a time, and just sit and focus on all the things that I'm thankful for. 
it's not always been easy to think of things that I'm thankful for. I mean, at the start it was okay, but as you go on, it gets harder and harder. But <laughs> then God led me to see that there's always so much to be thankful for. And we can be thankful for our lives, thankful for our families, we are, that we are not alone, thankful for the sunshine, thankful for the rain, thankful for that we can walk, <laughs> the joy, thankful for the pain. <laughs> Thank <laughs> thankful that we can walk, that we can talk, <laughs> that we can hear, that we can see. Thankful for our jobs, thankful for the beautiful birds, the songs sing. That's the other way around. Beautiful songs, the birds sing. <laughs> thankful that we can read. Thankful that we can write. Thankful that we have friends. Thankful for the sun that is not too close to the earth or not too far away. Thankful for music. Thankful for waves. Thankful for silence. These are just general things that almost all of us can be thankful for. And the list, as we know, goes on and on and on and on and on. But what about the daily things that God is doing in our own individual lives? There's always things that we can be thankful for. So the things that I bring to mind when I am deliberately practicing gratefulness isn't a list that just I just run through, but something that I really focus on. I bring to memory everything that I'm thankful for, and I also think of how life would be without it. And that makes it increases gratefulness and gratitude so much more in me. So this practice over the few last few months has literally turned my life around. I used to be a really joyous person, but because of focusing on negatives and because of all life's problems and disappointments. I came to a point where I had no joy in my life, where I had no joy at all, and I really, really missed that. It was almost as if the, it seemed like the life was draining away from my body, but with this tiny change and deliberately being grateful and finding the good in every situation and being thankful instead of complaining and looking at everything that is wrong, the peace and joy that I used to have is back, and it has turned my life around, literally. So I want to end with uh, Psalms 100, verses 1 to 5, which says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us. We are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Okay, we will close in, I'm closing prayer now, uh, but if this message has resonated with anyone, um, after we close, we can come forward for, after we prayed for as well. So if you could close eyes. Lord, we thank you and praise you, Lord God, that you are there. You're always with us, Lord God. You never leave us, you never forsake us, Lord God. Even in the hard times, Lord God, you're there right beside us, Lord God, making sure, Lord God, that we can accomplish all that you have asked us to do, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your great love for us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the, the best father ever, Lord Jesus, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that, that, that you love us with an everlasting, undying love, Lord. And we give our lives to you, Lord God. We ask that you help us see, help us take take a step back from all our situations, Lord God, and look and see where you have been working in our lives, Lord God. Help us to be thankful and grateful in everything, my Father. God, there's always something that we can look to be thankful for, no matter the situation, Lord God. We thank you for this, Lord God. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay, that's me. Before you run away, I don't know if Mike was going to close, but... The, 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 <laughs> I don't know. 
He's running away. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not closing. I'm not closing. But there's, there's, there's a reality that we can have joy despite our circumstances. And Anna and I went to visit some friends last night, and we thought we were going, we were going to encourage them and pray for them. We didn't need to do either. Uh, this, this lady has got cancer. She's, everyone's saying she, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, she was in remission. It's come back. So she's having treatment. She went in for a treatment just two weeks ago. And then this week, her brother was gunned down for his shoes and his cell phone. And we just thought, I mean, this is just such a disaster situation. We get there and she says, it's amazing. This is not, this is not, this is terrible, but God's, yeah, God's in the details. And, and she had joy in the midst of just the worst possible circumstances we could think of. So I say that just, we were just blown away that, that we see people depressed who should be joyful and then we see people joyful who should be depressed and the difference is God. And the difference is God. And, and we've had a great meeting this morning just, just in worship and I just would, uh, and, and we prayed that the Holy Spirit would come and fill us. I just encourage you, if, if you're here this morning and you don't have that joy, don't leave here. Because God is the child without being prayed for. God is the, it's not your circumstances that, that will determine your joy. It's, it's God's proximity to you. It's God's hand on your life. So I just encourage you, don't, don't leave without joy and go back into those circumstances without allowing God to touch you. God can touch you this morning. He can bring you his joy in the midst of whatever the circumstances are. Should I close? Uh, may God's joy be with you as you leave this morning. Now, what a what a what it is! What a joy just to know God. He is our great reward, and let's let's take that, take Him and and the joy that accompanies Him as we leave here this morning, but also take some caffeine. Hey? <laughs> God, thank. And if you need prayer, please come. Please come and pray before you leave. Pray. Uh, please come let us pray with you before you leave this morning God bless you have a great week eh? I need some caffeine I think <laughs>